Thanks for listening to this audio podcast from Redemption Life Church. Listen as Pastor Michael Cox teaches on living a life of prayer. We're taking this verse backwards. It's okay, guys. We can do that. All right? Not taking it out of context. We're just dissecting one piece of it at a time, and we're doing it in reverse order. So 1 Thessalonians 5, 16, rejoice. Always pray without ceasing. In everything, give thanks for what? This is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Anybody just been wondering what God's will is? Lord, would you just show me your will? Here it is. Just as simple. How do we stumble on this? Why did it take us so long? Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. In everything, give thanks. There you go. You're right in the center of God's will. All right. Uh, The passion. Let joy be your continual feast. Make your, make your life a prayer, and in the midst of everything, be always giving thanks, for this is God's perfect plan for you in Christ Jesus. I don't have time to review much, so you just go listen to the podcast. We talked about in everything, give thanks last week. That is the key to mental health. Salvation is the walls of our city but the gates are praised, the gates are giving thanks, and so we can have an unprotected city. Our life can be just overrun with things if we don't give thanks, if we don't keep praise on our lips. It keeps our city unsecure, okay? So we can be saved, yet tormented. Some of y'all don't like that, but you can be saved, yet still allow yourself to be tormented by all kinds of things in your mind. But you've got to let your mind be renewed, be transformed, right? And not conformed. You've got to see things rightly, and if you see things rightly, you can give thanks in everything. And so today I want to talk about praying without ceasing. I love what the passion says, make your life a prayer. And so I believe that praying without ceasing is the key to heart health. Heart health. What is the most important element in a relationship? The heart emoji. What is the most important element in relationship? Come on, talk to me. Communication, all right? The most important element is communication. If you want to have a healthy heart, if you want to have a healthy relationship with the Father, you have to communicate with Him continually. It does not happen by osmosis. It happens through communication, okay? And so it is very important that we communicate. But I love, first, in the passage, it says, make your life a prayer. See, prayer is not something you do. It's something you live. If prayer would stop being something we do and start being something we live, it would radically transform our life and our relationship with the Father. So let's look at how Jesus, today I want to just, it's going to be so simple, okay? We're going to look at how Jesus taught us to pray, and we're going to make it like, anybody ever uh, heard a song that's sung in rounds? Sound of the Round is one I think of right away. Jahan used to sing it back when she was a wee child, and 
high school and they had the choir and I was a grown man and would go watch the choir and it was awkward, but it was a beautiful song, okay? And <laughs> sound, you know, our age difference is already pretty drastic and then some people like to make it more drastic to make a point and I'm like, you can't, don't do that, okay? Don't do that. My children may hear that. I don't want it any worse than it already is. So, but, so it's like a sound of a round. What if our life was just this round of prayer? Like, and we just would just make this the position of our heart all the time. You talk about heart health. If it wasn't just something we did or something that we checked off occasionally that we made sure and pray and ask some stuff, but if it was a way that we lived and we would take that model of how Jesus taught us to pray and do it as a model to how to live. Okay, Proverbs 4.23, So above all, guard the affections of your heart, for they affect all that you are. Pay attention to the welfare of your innermost being, for there flows the wellspring of life. Philippians 4, 4-7, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let your gentle spirit be known to all men. The Lord is near. Be anxious for nothing. Now look at this. We talked about giving thanks in everything last week. Today we're going to talk about prayer. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. That's, that's almost confusing. Like, has anybody ever done that? How do we do that? But in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. We usually choose one or the other. We're either praying or being thankful. We're either on a mountaintop, dancing before the Lord, or we're in the valley saying, oh, Lord, my God, why have you forsaken me? But it says to pray with thanksgiving. Pray with thanksgiving. Not pray with, oh, me, oh, my, but pray with thanksgiving. So at the same time you're making your request known, you're being thankful. It seems like an oxymoron, right? But we are to, uh, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. And this is what happens, and I think this is why we don't get to this point of prayer. And the peace of God, which Jahan was talking about, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Heart health is being able to pray with thanksgiving. Being able to make supplications, but in those supplications with a very firm grasp of the goodness of God, knowing that whatever we're asking for, he's going to do and to turn the situation for our good. So making requests with thanksgiving. So let's look at Matthew chapter 6, verse 9. The screen went off during... Worship, and I thought, awesome, that's where the clock is. I won't even have to worry about it. But they got it fixed. It's a Christmas miracle for y'all. Matthew chapter 6, verse 9. Let's just go through this. This is Jesus taught the disciples how to pray. And he said, pray then in this way, our Father who is in heaven. Every time I read one of these verses, I want to read the New American Standard, and I'm going to read the Passion. Pray that in this way, our Father who is in heaven, 
the passion. Pray like this, our Father, dwelling in heavenly realms. So what if it's not just a prayer, but it's the way that we live. So every day, every time we take breath, we are constantly aware of the fact that we are a son or we are a daughter. And not just a son or a daughter, but specifically a son or a daughter of a father who is in heavenly realms. That changes the way that you see things. you got connections. You've got a father who is in heaven. We have to live a life of prayer. Continuously, our mind has to be renewed to who we are. We have to be transformed in our thinking. It seems like such a passing thing. And I played sports and we would do this prayer. But this prayer to me is so powerful. And if we would take this as a model and just live our life. And so the very first thing that we pass over, our Father who is in heaven. Man, that is not something to pass over. For us to be able to say that line is the most powerful statement you can ever make in your entire life. That is how you give supplication with thanksgiving. Wow, I'm overwhelmed. I have a Father in heaven. Can I just take a moment and be overwhelmed with thanksgiving that I have a Father that's dwelling in heavenly realms, and I'm just about to talk to him about some stuff that is going to be absolutely transformed because of the reality of my situation. I have a Father in heaven. Romans 8, 15, you did not receive the spirit of religious duty leading you back into the fear of never being good enough, but you have received the spirit of full acceptance, enfolding you into the family of God, and you will never feel orphaned. For as he rises up within us, our spirits join him in saying the words of tender affection, beloved Father. Matthew 7, 9 through 11. Do you know of any parent? Come on, this has to be how we live and how we commune with the Father, with the reality that we are sons and we are daughters and that he is a good, good father. Do you know any parent who would give his hungry child who asked for food a plate of rocks instead? Does anybody get that right there in Matthew chapter 7? Do you remember another place when Jesus was tempted to turn what to what? Rocks to bread, right? Who would ask for food and give them a plate of rocks instead? Or when asked for a piece of fish, what parent would offer his child a snake instead? If you, if you, imperfect as you are, know how to lovingly take care of your children and give them what's best, how much more ready is your heavenly Father to give wonderful gifts to those who ask him? We've got a Father. That's amazing. He's dwelling in heavenly realms. That's more amazing. And he's really good. That's more amazing. This thing just keeps getting better and better, and we've not got past our Father, which art in heaven. 
Man, my little moaning and groaning and down in the dumps has already changed to Thanksgiving, and I'm not even too past the first line yet. That's how we have to live our life. We have to get out of bed in the morning knowing I'm a son. I love the school. I wrote it, and I don't remember it. But they say every day I'm a son or daughter of God, invited on an amazing adventure. I don't know the rest of it, but it's awesome. It's good. But that is the core. That is the foundation. Jesus taught them how to pray. And if our prayer is supposed to be alive, then he taught them how to live. The foundation of our life is that we have a good father that dwells in heaven. And he has our best interest at heart. And he wants to commune with us and fellowship with us. He wants us to ask him and he'll give it to us. I love Matthew chapter 3. Verse 17, the second part of that is what, what the Father says when Jesus comes up out of the water and the Holy Spirit descends as a dove. He says, this is my, the son, in the passion, this is the son I love, and my greatest delight is in him. You notice Jesus has not done any miracles at this point. Jesus hasn't done any great works at this point. Jesus hasn't done anything to make his Father proud at this point. And he's already saying, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. See, we don't work towards him saying that. We work from him saying that. He said that he approved of us. He sent his son to die for us when we were unworthy, while we were sinners. He sent his son to die for us. He said, those are my children in whom I am well pleased. I want them covered by the blood of my son so that they can walk in fellowship with me. And so he says that, and you, if you read on, right after this, Jesus goes into the wilderness. And he's tempted after fasting for 40 days. And what's the very first thing the adversary says to him? If you are the Son of God, every temptation in your life starts with a question. If you are a son or daughter of God then why is this happening? Then what about this situation? Then what about... He tries to guide the way that you pray. He's literally trying... Satan is trying to teach Jesus how to pray. If you're the Son of God, then ask for these rocks to be turned to bread. Jesus said, I am the Son of God. And if he wants to give me something to eat, he would never hand me a rock to start with. Because who would give their son a rock if he meant to give him a piece of bread? He said, I am a son. Don't try to manipulate me and con me because if I pray that prayer, it's admitting I'm not a son that trusts. Some of our actual prayers are prayers that are denouncing our son and daughtership. We pray in such ways that negate our place of authority. We give in to the temptation of scrambling and thinking we've got to do it and we've got to make it. And he wants us just to rest in who he is and who we are. Our Father in heaven who dwells in heavenly realms. Hallowed be thy name. 
Holy is your name. Complete and lacking nothing are you. Are you kidding me? We have a father. He is in heaven. He loves to give good gifts to his children. And just so happens, he's complete and lacking nothing. So not only does he like to give gifts, he has all the gifts. This is crazy. I've got a father. He's in heaven. He loves me so much. He wants to lavish the riches of his kingdom. And oh, by the way, his kingdom is lacking absolutely nothing. He's overrun with every good and perfect gift. There's nothing I could ever need that he doesn't possess. The passion says, may the glory of your name be the center on which our lives turn. May the glory, glory is the essence and reputation of who he is. May the fact that you're holy, complete and lacking nothing, I like the speaker being back over here, be the center of our lives. I have a father. He's in heaven. He loves me. I'm going to make that reality the axis of my life. Everything is going to center on that. Everything is going to turn on that. I'm going to keep it constantly before me. I'm going to meditate on the reality that he is holy, that he is complete, that he is lacking nothing. The glory of his name will be the center of my life. I'm going to destroy speculations and every lofty thing that raises up against the knowledge of God. So I've got a father. He's in heaven. He loves to give me good gifts. And by the way, he has all the gifts. And I'm going to take captive every other contrary thought that comes my way. And I'm going to make it bow to the name of Jesus because Jesus was the exact image of the Father and he displayed the heart of the Father on earth. So every time something comes up to me and says, man, maybe this is just what God's will is. Maybe God really wants you to be this way. Maybe God does this. Maybe God does that. Maybe God is bankrupt. Maybe God is nervous. Maybe God doesn't know what to do right now. Maybe God made a mistake. Maybe God lied. I'm going to take that thought forcefully and I'm going to make it bow down forcefully to the feet of Jesus. And I'm going to say, that's a lie. I have a father who dwells in heavenly realms, who loves to give me good gifts, and he has everything that I'll ever need. And that's a lie. That you tried to exalt that little speculation up against the reality of who God is and what his intentions are for my life? I dare you to do that. You bow down at Jesus' name. We take every thought. We destroy those speculations and lofty things. We take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Philippians 4, whatever things are pure, whatever things are honorable, whatever things are right... Whatever things are true, whatever things are lovely, whatever is of good report, if there's any excellence and if anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. That's what I'm going to think about. That's what I'm going to dwell on. I can't hear the lies over my own praise. I just keep meditating. I'm sorry, I couldn't even hear you. I was too busy over here saying, I have a father who is in heaven, who loves to give me good stuff, and he has everything I'll ever need. 
I have a father in heaven who loves to give me good stuff and he has everything I ever need and there's these whispers, you're not going to have enough, you're not going to be enough, I can't hear you. I have a father in heaven who loves to give me good stuff and I'll have everything I ever need. Look at 1 Peter 1, 14 and 19. As God's obedient children, never again shape your lives by the desires that you followed when you were ignorant. Can I just substitute that word there? When you didn't know better. Don't live like that again. Don't live like you did when you didn't know better. Instead, shape your lives to become like the Holy One who called you. For Scripture says you are to be holy because I am holy. I've preached it before. This is a command. This is a challenge, right? It's a promise, a confirmation. This is all that rolled up into one. It's telling you to do something. It's telling you you are something. And it's promising you that you'll be something. All in one. Be holy. Let's keep going. Since you call on him as your heavenly father, we did, right? The impartial judge who judges according to each one works, live each day with holy awe and reverence throughout your time on earth. You know what that looks like? I have a father who dwells in heavenly realms, who absolutely loves to give me every good and perfect gift, and he has everything that I'll ever need. That's what living in awe is like. Live a life, not just do a thing. For you know that your lives were ransomed once and for all from the empty and futile way of life handed down from generation to generation. Aren't you glad you don't have to live a life that was handed down from generation to generation? It was not a ransom payment of silver and gold, which eventually perishes, but the precious blood of Christ, who like a spotless, unblemished lamb, was sacrificed for us. So we, we're sitting here meditating on the goodness of God and the holiness of God. I've said it like this before. You need, to, you need to acknowledge you have a Father in heavenly realms that loves to give you gifts and He has everything you'll ever need. And then when it says holy is His name, hallowed be His name, you just need to just start listing everything He's ever been. Before we start asking him to do anything, we need to start, we need to start, you know, it says by faith, we lay hold of the promise. We engage our faith. We enact our faith. We need to have our own little testimony service to ourselves. Testify to yourself. Step to the side and say, go on, sister, tell it again. I think I will. (laughs) I remember the time. I mean, do it like Becky does it, y'all. Come on. Do it with a little Georgia fire in your... Is it North Carolina or Georgia? Mississippi, something I know. I don't even know. Some Mississippi fire in you. Rehearse the goodness of God. Wow. Holy. It don't just say holy. How boring is that? 
That's as boring as saying, our Father who art in heaven. No, say, man, my dad in heavenly realms. And say, start saying what holy means. Like the angels that circle the throne, holy, holy, holy. What have you discovered the holiness of God to mean to you? Don't use the generic word holy. Say it. My Father in heaven, provider is your name. Healer is your name. The banner of peace over me is your name. Father that will never leave me or forsake me is your name. The lamb that was slain before the foundation of the world for me, that's your name. The one that is coming back, seated on a white horse, that's your name. Can we just think about, can when we begin to go to him in prayer, can when we live our life in a sound of a round, I have a father. Some of y'all are tired of me saying, I've only said it 23 times, and I want you to say it 5 million times in a day. I have a father. Well, I had a flat tire. Well, I still have a father in heaven who loves to give good gifts to me, and he has everything I'll ever need. And he's always on time. That's part of his holiness. And he never leaves me or forsakes me. That's part of his holiness. And he can make flat tires work for my good. That's part of his holiness. <clears throat> Eva and I were sat up the other night and watched the 700 Club. She loves to do adult things, if anybody doesn't know. She watched Pat Robertson. <laughs> But he had a guest on there that wrote a book, God's Hand on America, and he told all these testimonies in this book. And he told us a couple of them on the thing. I want to get the book. It sounds really cool. And I, I, I'll butcher it if I try to bring up all the names right now. But he told all these stories about how these things took place. Like, oh, I, I hate, I'm embarrassed to not know all this information. Some of y'all might be like, oh, I know exactly who that is. But... There was the Secretary of Defense or whatever it was when Lincoln, I believe, was president. There was a dual, it was a dual assassination attempt, okay? Not only was the attempt against Lincoln, there was a simultaneous attempt taken out on this. I believe it was Secretary of Defense or some other place, person in leadership. But this guy had a few weeks earlier had a carriage accident, and he had to have a neck brace put on his neck. They had these like, like steel bars, probably like traction like we see today. I don't know exactly what it looked like. But he had this neck brace on. And so while this simultaneous assassination <laughs> attempt was, was trying to be carried out, someone broke into this man's home. He's laying in bed, goes to stab him in the throat. The knife hits the metal bars of that traction, and the traction saved his life. I, if, I'm, if I don't get my stories mixed up, this is the same guy who ended up purchasing Alaska or securing Alaska from the Russians, which was instrumental in changing the whole course of the war. And so you can see how God's hand was on the situation. So how many people thankful for a carriage accident? How many people thankful for a broken neck and traction? Live a life of prayer, not ignorant to the way God could work and move in every situation. 
being thankful that we have a Father in heaven. He dwells in heavenly realms. He loves to give us good gifts and to take care of us. And he has everything that we'll ever need, and he knows what he's doing. So we're sitting there just reflecting on the holiness of God, and that's great to think about how holy he is. But there needs to be a com- come a transition here. And this is where we need to bring supplication. Not supplication out of reaction. Oh, bad things happen, bad things happen. Oh, God! Supplication should come from dwelling so much on the goodness of God that things that aren't lining up should stand out like a pink elephant. And then we see that in 1 Peter 1, where we just read, it says that we were ransomed by Christ himself. So we're supposed to be holy. That's a command because Christ paid for it. So when we literally make no pursuit in our life to be whole, then we are robbing God of what he purchased. Happy, happy, happy God. Who wants to sing that? Who wants to serve that? But why do we sing holy, holy, holy God? Happy, happy, happy is your son. Dwelling on who he is and that everything, he, he has everything to change and transform and put into our lives. And yet we only bring to him disastrous things. A life of prayer and thanksgiving and supplication or meditating on his kingdom and thanking him and rejoicing him. Being in a constant state of gratitude and awe and overwhelmness at who he is and what he is for us. Until we're so aware of his kingdom that we realize, man, I saw some stuff in looking at him that is not present in my reality. Our supplications should come from our thanksgiving. We get so carried away thanking God for the kingdom that that's where we become aware of what we need to ask him for. Not so overwhelmed with meditating on the world and the disaster and the assignment and the darkness that we run to God asking him to fix all of that, but so aware of the kingdom. We're kingdom focused. We're on the offensive, not on the defensive. The gates of hell shall not prevail against us, a people who are aware of the fullness of the kingdom. And they're aware that it's supposed to be manifest on the earth. Look out, gates of hell. It's not the gates of heaven shall prevail against the darkness. They'll not prevail against us. So we go from... Meditating on his holiness, we see and then we transition. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The passion manifests your kingdom realm and cause your every purpose to be fulfilled on earth just as it is in heaven. Just get caught up in the goodness of God. And then the natural transition is just to say, yeah, I want to see that. 
Yeah, I want to see that in every area of my life. Yeah, that, that, that aspect of who you are that I just saw when I came around that backside of you, I want that to flow in this relationship I have. I want that. The way you love, the way that that part of you I saw, man, I want that, Lord. What is it in me that causes me not to be able to love like that? What is in me that causes me to react that way? What is in me that causes me to be so sensitive and so defensive and so reactive? Man, I want to have that heart that I saw on you. How does that happen in my life? Lord, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven and let it start in me. Jesus started preaching. I mean, John the Baptist started preaching, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Later in Mark chapter 1, later on after John the baptizer was arrested, Jesus went back into the region of Galilee and preached the wonderful gospel of God's kingdom realm. His message was this, at last the fulfillment of the age has come. At last the fulfillment of the age has come. It is time for the realm of God's kingdom to be experienced in its fullness. Turn your lives back to God and put your trust in the hope-filled gospel. At last, the terminology, in the last days, it's so amazing to me that people think there's ever been a time in the history of the world that he would have revealed his spirit in a greater way than he would do now. I coach the kids in basketball, rec league, I tell you what, I sure don't put my least experienced team in in the last four minutes of the game. You think God just, you know, I'm just going to give it our best shot 2,000 years ago and then we'll just hope they get in on a momentum. Man, that's for the end, that's for the end, that's for the end. The fullness of the kingdom has, has come. It's so close you can grasp it. He ain't like that guy with the dollar on the string. Oh, you almost had it. Oh, you almost had it. Oh, you almost had it. No, I'm taking it away. Y'all hang on. Do the best you can. I'll be back later. Increase of his kingdom and government knows no end. It only gets stronger and stronger and greater and greater. And so if his kingdom was ever available, if the fulfillment to experience its fullness was ever here, it's here today. Matthew 16, 19, I'll give you the keys of heaven's kingdom realm to forbid on earth what is forbidden in heaven and to release on earth that which is released in heaven. So if it's not just a prayer and it's a life, we walk around every day. I am a son. I am a daughter of a father who dwells in heavenly realms, who wants to give me everything. He loves to lavish on me the wealth of the kingdom, and he has more than I could ever need, more than I could ever ask, more than I could ever, ever imagine. He prayed a price that it would be manifest in my life and I refuse to live a life that's less than what he paid for. I want to see heaven come, be manifest in every area of my life, be manifest in the people's lives around me, be manifest at Walmart, be manifest at my workplace, be manifest on the bus, be manifest everywhere I go. I want to see the kingdom come. 
What would transform in our lives if this was our mindset? Every day looking for opportunities to release the reality that we know of the kingdom of heaven into every situation. Father, you've got everything I'll ever need. This doesn't take you by surprise. This is going to be exciting. I got to move quick now. Give us this day our daily bread. We acknowledge you as our provider of all we need each day. Here's where we are sometimes. James 4, 13. Listen, those of you who are boasting, today or tomorrow we'll go to another city and spend some time and go into business and make heaps of profit. But you don't have a clue what tomorrow may bring. For your fleeting life is but a warm breath of air that is visible in the cold only for a moment and then vanishes. Does that remind you of anything from Wednesday? Instead, you should say our tomorrows are in the Lord's hand. And if he is willing, we will live life to its fullest and do this or that. Man, I'm all about making plans. I'm all about having vision. But man, sometimes we make such stringent plans and have such strong vision that God could not get in his will sideways if he wanted to. And we build up our lives so much and we take so much on ourselves and we become so self-sufficient that we carry all the weight of everything and it crushes us. Make all your plans and then say, hey, I'm going to give it my absolute best. And God, if he breathes on this, it's going to be amazing. And if he doesn't, I'm going to learn an awesome lesson about finding out what he wants to breathe on before I do all this again. <laughs> I heard Bill Johnson say one time, if you feel like God's not talking to you and not listening, talk about something he wants to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> Talk about something he wants to talk about. Let's skip ahead a little bit here. I love 2 Corinthians 9, 8. God is more than ready to overwhelm you. I just want to be overwhelmed. With every form of grace that you will have more than enough of everything. Every moment and in every way. He will make you overflow with abundance in every good thing you do. You understand it's kind of difficult to follow him. All these words, overwhelm, overflow, overabundant. I feel like you're going to drown, don't you? <laughs> Not good to drown in the goodness of God. Matthew 19, 29, 30. I just want to hit this real quick. We're about done. 
For anyone who has left behind their home and property, leaving family, brothers or sisters, mothers or fathers or children, for my sake, they will be repaid a hundred times over and will inherit eternal life. But many who push themselves to be first will find themselves last, and those who are willing to be last will find themselves first. Now, this may seem totally out of place for what I'm saying, but I just want to say, I talk with people all the time, and even this week I've talked with folks that will say, I've worked hard to get here. I finally got here. I finally got, this is the sum of everything my life has brought about. And sometimes we celebrate this arrival point when that is totally based on the wrong system of measurement. Like, when the Lord allows me to build a home, it's going to be beautiful. And I'm going to love living in it. But I will have not arrived at that point. I arrived when I moved into a basement. I arrived when I got my truck repossessed. I arrived when my heart transitioned to the right system of measurement. I'm not saying those things are godly. You should pay your debts. You should do all those things. I made restitution for my truck. God, but it, man, it broke my pride for sure. I paid every dime of it. But we have this unit of measurement that we're working so hard to attain to based on what we accumulate. And we can get to there and be empty. I feel like we've talked about this a lot lately, but this just really stuck out to me. Like literally, the day you leave the house that you thought was your arrival point could actually be your arrival point. You see that? Like the day you leave what you thought was your source of worth could actually be the moment you really receive what your worth was. And then when you get a hundred times that paid back to you, that's not your arrival point. You already were at your arrival point. You're just living in just a, a land of just overflow and mercy and grace and just fulfillment and run over, but it's not a place of arrival or promise. Because you were able to come to that place when you could no longer be defined by man's system or man's riches anymore. That is the pinnacle of where we can be. And whatever it takes to get us there is what we should be looking for. Give us this day our daily bread. That dependence on him. I'm thinking about Elijah in, I believe it's 1 Kings 17, 
when he's being fed by ravens at the brook of Cherith, and they're bringing him meat and bread every morning and every evening. Would that be the place of arrival? Was eating manna in the wilderness a place of arrival, or was the milk and honey the place of arrival? How can we ever think, realize the fullness of the promise without the manna? Like, if you never had the manna and you just walked into the milk and honey, wouldn't the milk and honey, you'd be like, well, isn't it, shouldn't there be something better than milk and honey? Right? So anything that can transform our minds to help us walk in this life of thanksgiving and gratitude and overwhelmness about the kingdom is an amazing gift from God and a place of arrival. Man, I would trade abundance for lack if Abundance fostered in me a heart of entitlement and an insatiable appetite for more that could never be filled and never could be happy. I'd rather be fed at the brook of Cherith by a raven. Wouldn't you? Now, this is not a poverty gospel. People give prosperity gospel a bad name. I don't know how you could preach any other gospel than a prosperity gospel. People that were destitute for death all of a sudden are given life. Everything passage talks about being overwhelmed and overrun, so much so you can't even handle it or contain it. See if I won't open the windows in heaven and pour a blessing on you that you cannot contain. And people literally say, well, that's the prosperity gospel. I don't know any other gospel. I mean... Windows of heaven opening and being more than I can handle does not seem like lack to me. <laughs> and it's the gospel. <clears throat> Let me get back on because we got a little sidetracked there. 6.12, and forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. Do you really want to pray it that way? Do you really want to live it that way? Lord, forgive me just as I forgive those that have done me wrong. No different. Don't forgive me different. Forgive me the same. Forgive us, forgive us the wrongs we have done as we ourselves release forgiveness to those who have wronged us. Here it is in, got to hurry, Colossians 3, 13, 14. So chosen <coughs> by God for this new life of love. Dress in the wardrobe God picked out for you. Compassion, kindness, humility, quiet strength, discipline. Be even-tempered, content with second place, quick to forgive an offense. Forgive as quickly and completely as the master forgave you. And regardless of what else you put on, wear love. It's your basic all-purpose garment. Never be without it. Obviously, we could preach 28 weeks on forgiveness but if we really lived that prayer, if we didn't deal with forgiveness on Sunday, if we didn't forgive stillness at 6 p.m., we dealt with forgiveness. But if it was our life, in this moment, is there anyone I hold a debt towards? And then the, realm, the sound of the round comes back again. 
Man, I have a father in heaven who has more than I could ever imagine and he loves to give it to me. He lacks nothing and he wants me to have all of it. Lord, let all of who you are come down here and be all of who I am. I want to have everything that you have. I want the fullness of the kingdom to be here. Lord, give me everything I need today. Be my bread, be my sustenance, be my provider, be all that I need. Not just financially, be what I need that I don't know I need. So I can find true fulfillment and worth and abundance. Don't lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. James 1, 13 and 15, when you're tempted, don't ever say God is tempting me for God is incapable of being tempted by evil and he is never the source of temptation. Instead, it is each person's own desires and thoughts that drag them into evil and lure them away into darkness. Evil desires give birth to evil actions and when sin is fully mature, it can murder you. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. With every temptation, I will make a way for you to escape. Don't act like you're confused. You're just conformed. You want to do what you want to do. You're leaning to your own understanding. But if you would acknowledge me, I'll make your path straight, and it'll be a way of escape. Some people are shocked to death when sin murders them. I nurtured this thing and raised it and created this monster and then I'm shocked to death when it turned on me. I completely disregarded the way, the truth, and the life. I completely disregarded the way of escape over and over and over again. I lean to my own understandings. I totally disregard what the Word of God says. I live in direct disobedience and direct misalignment with what He's called me to live. And then I wonder why in the world the fruit of that is disaster and destruction. What happened here? What happened? How did this happen? You raised a murderer. You've been feeding it and housing it and giving it shelter and defending it against me. Oh, don't listen to him. Sorry. I won't even go back there again. I won't even go back there again. I can't believe he spoke to you that way. I feel like the Lord's leading me somewhere else. <laughs> Can I find somebody who won't mess with my friend? <laughs> somebody who won't offend my friend. That's going to, I'm raising him up so he can murder me. We hide from everybody who wants to speak to it, right? Yeah. We find a reason to discredit everybody. That's why we're offended with so many people, half of us, because they know the truth and we know the truth. 
So we've got to find a way to discredit every person that knows the truth so we don't feel convicted about what they know about our life. Don't judge me. Nobody judged you. He's told you the truth. Isn't it funny how we always say people are judging us and all I did was say, hey, I think that's a bad choice. <laughs> well, I dare you. Never come back here again. Well, you want me to say that's a good choice? <laughs> Bible says sin leads to destruction. That little path you're walking on is openly sin. You're raising a murderer. I'm sorry for telling you that. I don't yeah. know what, what, what you say. Come on. So true. I pray for the grace of God to overwhelm every situation. I don't want anybody to perish. I don't want anybody to end in destruction. I don't want to assess and assign anybody where they are. I don't care where you're at. I pray that you do not reap the results of it. I don't want anybody. I don't want to say I told you so to nobody. You hear me? I hope God does it ten different ways than any of the ways I told you. And you tell me I told you so. But if you find it somehow other than how I told you, I will be excited. Come to me and say, I told you so. And I'll be like, yeah, that's a great, man. I don't care how it happened. I don't have to be right. I want to be righteous. I want to tell the truth. That's it. Sometimes the truth offends. Some of us look like that. What is that, Elmer Fudd? Which way did he go? Some people come to me, I don't know where the way of escape is. Which way did he go? I don't have any idea how to do this right. You know, I'm talking about we just throw out the most obvious scripture and everything else that would easily lead us. We don't need a pastor to help us with that, right? We don't need anybody to help us with that. We can, I don't know what to do. You know exactly what to do. Don't come to me if you want me to tell you you're fine. Because I ain't going to lie to you. Lead us not into temptation, but to live. What if we really lived a life that sought for God to lead us out of temptation instead of sought for God to look over all the temptation and not mess with us and let us go there when we want to go there? What if we really genuinely wanted him to lead us out of temptation? How would our life look? This prayer was our life. Our life was consumed with allness of how amazing he is. And we just looked for people to release from debts. And we looked for people to forgive. And we were just looking for his fulfillment every day and his bread to fill us and provide for us. And we were just so dependent on him. Like, I can't be sustained today with money from the bank. I need you today. And then we just end it with a party. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. That's where the round comes again, all right? Yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and the passion. For you are the king who rules with power and glory forever. Amen. I have a father in heaven who wants 
wants to give me a bunch of stuff. He wants me to be holy as he is holy. He wants me to be complete and lacking nothing. And just so happens, he has everything it takes to back up what he wants to do in my life. And he wants to provide for me. God, would you allow my life to look like you want it to look? Would you just let heaven come? Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I want there to be no delineation from my home and the kingdom. I want to be able to put a a welcome mat out in front of my house that says, Welcome to the kingdom of heaven. If it's in heaven, you'll find it here. If it's in heaven, you'll find it in my kids. If it's in heaven, you'll find it in my husband. You'll find it in my wife. If the peace of God passes all understanding and it's in heaven, you'll find it in my home. If there's joy unspeakable and full of glory in heaven, you'll find it in my home. Welcome to heaven. Come on in. Take a load off. I want to carry that into my workplace. I want to carry that into my school. I want to carry that everywhere I go. And I want to be confident that I'll be provided for as I do it. And I'll be filled with the bread. I'll be filled with every need. I'll be provided every resource. And I want to constantly keep my heart pure. God, I just release every person. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven. What about your life? I told you last week I want to be crazy. I want to seem crazy. What if we just took just this little nugget? Just take this the way he taught us to pray and live that. I want to do it tangibly. Spread it out maybe over my day. Spread it out maybe over every hour. Spread it out. Just keep it meditating. What if we literally ask God every hour if there's somebody I need to forgive? Not just once a year when the preacher preaches about forgiveness. But what if we were searching our heart, seeing if there's any impure way in us? What if we, before we brought gifts to him, said, I need to go and deal with this all I have with my brother? What if we literally were concerned about having our heart pure in the fullness of the kingdom in our life? What if we literally constantly evaluated our finances and we constantly wanted to be focused on him as our provider and we asked him to lead us in the area of our wealth? We submitted all those things to him. Every relationship, every provision. And we just kept doing that and around and around, and around, and we start with praise and overwhelmness of his goodness, and we end with praise and overwhelmness of his goodness, and in the middle, we just want to see it come to every area of our life, and we live a life of prayer. That's the secret to heart health. Everybody stand up with me. We'll pray as we leave today. Prayer team, if you'll come, we'll give everybody an opportunity.
for prayers we leave. Can we just, uh, can y'all put Matthew 6 up in the Passion? Start in verse 9. We're just going to pray this together today. You can add whatever you want to. Matthew 6, starting in verse 9, the Passion. Let's do this together. Our Father, let's just do it together. Our Father, dwelling in heavenly realms, may the glory of your name be the center on which our lives turn. Manifest your kingdom realm and cause your every purpose to be fulfilled on earth just as it is fulfilled in heaven. We acknowledge you as our provider of all we need each day. Forgive us the wrongs we have done as we ourselves relieve forgiveness to those who have wronged us. Rescue us every time we face tribulation and set us free from evil. For you are the king who rules with power and glory forever. Amen. We love you, Father. We thank you. Lord, would this become more than a prayer but would this prayer become our life? Would this prayer be like in a round in our life? Pray without ceasing. Pray continually. Make your life a prayer. Can we make our lives this prayer? And can we see the fulfillment of all you intend for us come? In Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to this audio podcast from Redemption Life Church. Be sure to stay connected with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Redemption Life. 